with me. Mark chapter 10. I'm going to begin reading in verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they call the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said to him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I love as we read through the Gospels the miracles that Jesus performs, the works that Jesus does, the power that he manifests, the power that he demonstrates. He demonstrates that there is nothing beyond his capability. There is nothing beyond his power. Sometimes in our lives we may feel that way. We may feel like the situation that we are in is beyond any hope. There's a great story of Jesus walking down the road one day. He sees a man seated beside the side of the road who is weeping and crying. And Jesus looks at the man and he says, Son, why are you weeping? The man said, Well, Jesus, I was blind at birth. I've been blind my whole life and no one's been able to help me. And Jesus looked on him, had compassion, and he healed the man. He went a little further and there's a man weeping beside the road. And the man was crying and Jesus said to him, uh, son, why are you weeping? And the man said, well, uh, Jesus, I'm, I'm lame. I've been lame my whole life, never been able to walk. Jesus had compassion on him and healed him. Jesus walks a little further down the road, and there's a man seated beside the road weeping. And Jesus says, son, why are you weeping? And the man looks at Jesus, and he says, I'm a Baptist preacher. And Jesus sat down beside him and wept. Even Baptist preachers are not beyond the power of Christ. Aren't you glad for that? As we look at these accounts, though, let's be reminded of the reality of these stories. This was a real individual with a real lifetime problem, an issue that he had faced, a challenge that he had faced. And Jesus comes along, and the difference that Jesus makes in a person's life that radical change that takes place, and not just in our salvation, but what Jesus can do after we're saved. What Jesus can do for the situation that you are facing right now. What Jesus can do for the challenge that you are facing, the burden that you are carrying, the impossible that you are standing before, the power of Jesus. Oswald J. Smith was a pastor many years ago, and he was known for his heart, for evangelism, and for, uh, for missions. And so Homer Rodehaver, the great song leader and uh, evangelistic song leader, came to Dr. Smith and he said, I'd like to ask you to write a hymn that describes the difference that Jesus makes. I want to describe the condition of people before Christ met them and before they met Christ, and then the change that takes place 
after, and then the, the, the difference that Jesus has made in their lives. And so Dr. Smith sat down and wrote probably one of his most known hymns. Many of you have watched the Billy Graham Crusades over the years. You've heard this hymn sung by George Beverly Shea. The verse says, One sat along beside the highway begging. His eyes were blind, the light he could not see. He clutched his rags and shivered in the shadows. Then Jesus came and bade his darkness flee. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, all tears are wiped away. He takes the gloom and fills the life with glory. For all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. That song was exemplified in this story this morning. In the story of Bartimaeus, as we look at this wonderful thing, the story of our text reflects that great truth of the change that Jesus can make and what Jesus can do to touch a life. Some of you are here this morning and Jesus has never touched your life in salvation. He is calling to you this morning. I hope that you will listen to his voice. I hope that you will hear and you will realize that your deepest need is not religion. Your deepest need is not being a member of the church. Your deepest need is not doing more good needs. Your deepest need is to encounter the Son of God, Jesus Christ, as your Savior. There are others of us here this morning that Jesus is calling to us as well. Jesus needs to come. We, when He comes, He'll make a difference. And we need to respond to His call to us. He may be calling to service. He may be calling to comfort. He may be calling to rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come and follow me. Whatever He may be calling to you about today, I want you to see yourself in this story as we just use our sanctified imagination this morning and our, our understanding of Scripture and our understanding of what is taking place. And I want you to see as Jesus is passing down this road, He is entering into the city of Jericho. Along with Him are His disciples and others that are following. A crowd is gathering with Him. And as He comes into the city, the, the crowd begins to gather. They have heard that Jesus is coming. And like many small towns and towns of years ago, they didn't have a lot to see and a lot to do, so they hear that Jesus is coming and they gather. I was sort of reminded of this last night. I was watching an old um, Andy Griffith episode, and some of you will remember that. You bear with me. You'll know what I'm talking about. As they, as they have the story where the, the, the gold truck is coming through town, and somehow word leaks out that it's coming through town. And that one little word that something is happening gathers people, and a large crowd gathers, and they say, We've, boy, this is more than usual. And I thought about whether it's a small town like Mayberry or it's a small town like Jericho, a city like Jericho, when word leaks out, something is, people begin to gather. They want to see what's taking place. And so they hear that Jesus, so you can imagine the streets lined with people and Jesus is passing along. And as they gather closer, there are those who are there. Perhaps some are cynical. They don't believe in this Jesus. They don't believe that he can do what they've heard he can do. There are others who are there just out of curiosity. They're there just to, just to see, hey, the crowd's gathered. What's this crowd for? Well, it's this man Jesus is coming to town. And they come just out of curiosity to see. The same kind of people are around today when we hear about what Jesus can do. There are those who are cynical. 
Well, that might work for you, but I don't believe that would work for me. Or I tried that one time and it didn't do anything. There are those who are just curious. They, they're hoping they'll see something different. But then there are those who are genuinely needy and they understand their need and they are hungry and they are searching and they may not know exactly what they're looking for. And there may be someone here this morning, you don't know exactly what you're looking for. You don't know exactly what your need is. But I can assure you the deepest need of your heart and soul is Jesus Christ. And Jesus comes into town. And as he comes into town, there's one man there who didn't come out of curiosity and he didn't come out of cynicism and he didn't really even come to be there for Jesus. He's there because that's what he does every single day. He sits by the road and he holds out a cup or his hand or he holds out something and he begs as he hears people passing by. His ears have attuned him to be able to hear the footsteps and to know. And very likely, he's been at this for many years, he can recognize certain people that have passed him by every day. But he recognizes that there's a large crowd around, and he asks, what is this crowd about? And when he hears what the crowd is about, he has heard the stories of what Jesus can do. He has heard of the miracles of Jesus and so he begins to cry out, and he doesn't just say, hey, Jesus, can I come heal me? He says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. As we look at this this morning, I want you to see three things in this, in this story. First of all, with our sanctified imagination, we can see Bartimaeus hindered. Bartimaeus hindered. As he begins to cry out, there are those around him who as the Bible says, charged him to hold his peace. That's the old English King James way of saying, uh, keep your mouth shut, be quiet. Some of you parents may sometimes need to say that to your kids. Some of you wives may need to say that to your husbands occasionally. <laughs> hold your peace. It's just a nice way of saying it. And so they're holding him back. They are hindering him. There are things in this life and in this world that will keep people from receiving Christ. There are some things this morning that may be keeping you. As you know that Jesus is drawing you and Jesus is speaking to you, there are things that will keep you from responding. This is true in salvation, and this is true in His call to us to come to Him for comfort, to come to Him for satisfaction. Sometimes it's the voice of pride that will hold us back. If you go forward in that invitation, people are going to think there's some deep sin hidden in your life. Or if you go forward, people are going to watch you and they're going to see you and they're going to be evaluating what you, whether you're genuine or not. Sometimes when we feel called to praise, when we're in a service and we feel called to respond in worship and in praise, we immediately begin to think about those around us. What are they going to say if I, what if I raise my hand in, a, in, a, in, a, in an uncool way? We sort of, some Baptists are, I don't know if y'all, any of y'all ever did this or remember this. I personally never, never tried this or did this. But, you know, sometimes when a young man is sitting next to a young lady and he wants to put his, his arm around her, he sort of, oh, you know, sort of stretches a little bit. Get that arm around there. I know none of you guys ever tried anything like that or did anything like that. I think of that every time I think about the way some Baptists get their hands up to praise the Lord. It's sort of like, Did anybody see that? We sort of stretch into it. That way, if anybody sees this, maybe they won't think we're getting too excited. 
Because heaven knows we don't want to get too excited about Jesus. Because we're Baptists. And we don't do that kind of thing. We feel a call to do something. And what happens? Pride begins to set in. Or Jesus calls us to an action. Jesus calls us to do something. Pride holds back. There's the voice of pride that says, hold your peace. Be quiet. Don't think about doing that. Some people are held back because they think they're too good. I don't need Jesus. I don't need the salvation. I don't need the gospel. I'm a good person. I've done good deeds. I've, I'm, I'm a member of the church. Let me tell you that there are people who are members of churches all across this country who will one day find themselves in the lake of fire. There are people who will be religious and they'll think, hey, I'm a good person. No one is too good to need salvation. Being a member of the church is not going to keep you out of hell. Being a Baptist is not going to keep you out of hell. I love the story George Whitfield was preaching, one of the times he was preaching in the outdoors and preaching to thousands of people. And in his sermon he was imagining and, and using his imagination to think of Abraham in heaven, looking at the masses of people, those who were his spiritual descendants, and seeing those who were in heaven. And Whitfield calls out to him and he says, Father Abraham, are there any Anglicans there? Whitfield himself was an ordained Anglican minister. And Abraham answers back and says, no, there are none. And he says, what about Methodists? Are there any Methodists there? Whitfield's good friend, John Wesley, was the founder of the Methodist church. And he said, are there any Methodists there in heaven? And Father Abraham answers back and says, no, there's none. He says, well, what about Presbyterians? No, no Presbyterians. What about Baptists or Quakers? And Father Abraham answers back and says, no, we have none of them here. Whitfield says, well, who do you have there? And Abraham answers back and says, In heaven there are none but Christians and those that have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Let me tell you that the name of your denomination is not going to get you into heaven. Being a member of this church will not get you into heaven. There are none that are righteous. No, not one. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. And none of that will get us into heaven. But sometimes the people are held back. I'm not going to go to Jesus. I'm, I don't really need that religion. That's good, for the, that's good for a certain type of person, but not for me. I want you to know today that Jesus' salvation is for the self-righteous, but it's also for the sinner. There are those that are held back because they think, I'm not good enough. And let me tell you the answer, the truth to that is, you're not good enough. None of us are good enough. None of us deserve grace. If it was, it would not be grace. But God in His mercy and His grace has extended to us the offer of salvation. And Jesus comes in grace, not in works. Law came by Moses, but grace came by Jesus Christ. And it is in His grace that He has extended to us that we have the opportunity to come to God, that we have the opportunity to come to Jesus and experience what Jesus can do. Don't be held back. Bartimaeus hindered. Some are held back by false beliefs. Some by false profession. Some are held back by what they think they'll have to give up. If I follow Christ, I'll have to give up this. Let me tell you that anything you have to give up to follow Christ is of minimal value compared to what he brings to you and offers to you. How could we possibly compare the temporary pleasures of sin on this earth to the eternal glories of heaven with Christ? 
Bartimaeus is hindered. There are those that are holding him back. There are those who are standing in his way, keeping him from coming to Christ. Be quiet, hold your peace. But we go on in this story and we see Bartimaeus heard. Bartimaeus is crying out. And they try to stop him. And he cries out the more, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus hears. Jesus is listening. Let me tell you this morning that you may feel like no one else in this life hears and truly understands what's going on in your life. But Jesus hears and Jesus understands. I learned very early on that there are many people in this world who aren't truly listening. They just really don't listen. Some people are listening to respond. They listen to you, and you can tell the whole time that you're talking to them, they're thinking about what they're going to say next. They're not really listening to what you're saying. Some people are listening not to understand. They're listening to fix. They've already got it made up in their mind, this is what you need to do. And as soon as you get finished saying it, they haven't really heard what you say. They've already got their answer and their response ready to give. But I'm glad that my Jesus, when he hears, he listens, and he understands. Sometimes when preachers are preaching, people are listening, but they're not really listening. I know that's, again, not true of any of y'all this morning. Remember a number of years ago, I preached a sermon. Man, I poured my heart out. I preached with everything that I had. And right in the middle of the sermon, I used a small little illustration, and I referred to something as being ridiculous about Christians trying to do it. And I said, it's about as ridiculous as trying to trying to tune up a Ford with a Chevy manual. And I went on, and that's all I said. And I poured, man, I preached. I was about sweating when I got through. I left it all out on the, left it all out on the pulpit. And I got through and stood at the back, and this guy came out, shook my hand. He said, that was good, preacher. I had a Chevy one time and went out the door. I said, Lord, How long shall we suffer these people? Preach that whole message and all he got was he had a Chevy one time. One of the smart alecks in the early service after I shared that came out and said, Hey preacher, I had a Chevy one time. (laughs) So sometimes people aren't listening and we we feel like they don't really get our problems. They don't really hear what we're saying. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is listening. Above all the crowd, above all the naysayers, above all the negative, he heard Bartimaeus crying out in faith, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, Jesus the Messiah, have mercy on me. He came to one from whom you would receive mercy. He wasn't just a miracle worker. He wasn't just a a powerful teacher. He was the son of God. He was the Messiah who could heal. He was the son of God who could who could forgive. He was Christ. Bartimaeus calls out to him. Bartimaeus is heard. Notice what happens. Jesus calls him to him in verse 49. Many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more, a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And in verse 49, Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. I I can just imagine Jesus stopping right where he was. Hold up, someone's calling me. It's almost, it's almost like when the woman touched the hem of his garment. You remember that story? Jesus is thronged about with people, and in the middle of it, he senses virtue going out of him, and he knows that someone has touched him in faith. 
When we call out to God, when we call out to Christ in faith, He hears our cry. He listens to us. And in the midst of all this, and the disciples say, Lord, you're in the middle of this crowd and everybody's pushing you and shoving you and touching you and bumping into you, and you wonder who touched you? And here in the middle of all this, Jesus stops, and in the midst of all that crowd and the clamor and the noise, He says, someone's calling out to me. He hears the voice of faith. He hears someone crying out to him. And you may cry out in the middle of the night when your burdens are too heavy and there's nothing that you feel like you can do and you're overwhelmed and your emotions are all over the place and fear is ravaging your soul and tears are flowing and you don't know what the future holds and you don't know what's going to take place and you don't know how things are going to work out and Jesus hears your voice. More than that, Jesus hears your heart. The Bible says that we pray and the Holy Spirit communicates our prayers with groanings which cannot be uttered. And I don't know that I fully understand all the truth that's in that verse, but let me tell you that I do believe this, that there are times when we cannot form our prayers into words. What we're trying to communicate to God, we can't even say. And the Holy Spirit communicates the feelings and the emotions of our heart, and He communicates them directly to the heart of God. And God not only hears what we are saying, He feels what we are feeling with the groanings which cannot be uttered. And as He calls out, Jesus responds, Bartimaeus is heard. Jesus says, bring him to me. The questions that Jesus asks in verse 51 draw attention to his need, and he draws out a statement of faith. He says, what will thou that I should do to thee? The blind man said to him, Lord, Lord. He calls him Lord. He expresses faith. He says that I might receive my sight. He is acknowledging that he knows that Jesus has the power to do this. That Jesus is no ordinary man. Only God can do this kind of work. And Bartimaeus in this moment expresses that. And notice Jesus as he heals him in verse 52. Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Do you believe When you call out to God, when you call out to Jesus, do you have the faith to believe that He can do? Or do you just do it because you know as a Christian that's what you're supposed to do? But to call out in faith, God, I'm trusting you. This this emotional need, this challenge, my, my fears, my anxieties, my dreads, my depression, I'm calling out to you. You are my light in darkness. God, my my friend that has heard this from the doctor and received this, this dreadful diagnosis, I call out to you. Lord, my family member that's lost, I call out to you. I cry out to you. I may not even know how to pray what I'm supposed to pray for or how to ask what I'm supposed to ask for, but I trust you and I'm asking you. Jesus says, your faith is what heals you. Your faith is what brings the healing. And this morning, it is our faith and our trust. Our faith does not have to be perfect for God to act. God does not wait until our faith is where it ought to be for Him to respond to our prayer. But He begins to work. He begins to move. He begins to do before we're even to full faith. And He responds when we call and He was heard. But then Bartimaeus is healed. 
Notice that word immediately. Immediately. I preached a couple weeks ago on the God who takes his time, but I'm glad that there are times when God deals with things immediately. He answers. Sometimes he brings immediate healing. Sometimes he touches the body. Sometimes he changes our mind. I'm reminded of Paul in Corinthians, how God did not bring healing to the thorn, but he changed his thinking about the thorn. I was talking with someone recently, and they were expressing a physical infirmity that they have, and how for years they prayed for healing from it, and how God changed their way of thinking about it, not to seek healing, but to seek for God to use their condition to touch the lives of others. And how after that had taken place, they saw a friend who was praying for them and how that friend said, I'm praying for your healing. And they said, I'm no longer praying for that. They said, don't give up hope. He said, I'm not giving up hope. I am trusting that God is going to use this condition to bring glory to him. And God has used that physical condition to touch many other lives and for many to hear the gospel. And so the healing, the work that God does, may not always look like what we want it to look like or we hope it looks like, but it will be God at work. And when Jesus comes, a difference is made, not only in our lives, but in the lives of those around us. There are those that were healed by Jesus. Your faith, he said, has made you whole. We can imagine a man standing there. He says, I was crippled by sin, but then Jesus came and I was made whole. Another says, I was hungry and thirsty and I didn't even know what would satisfy, but Jesus came and filled my deepest need with the water of life and the bread of life. Another lady standing there, I was deafened by sin and I couldn't hear the voice of God, but since Jesus came, I have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves Jesus saves. Another would say, I was blinded by sin and I could not see the kingdom of God. But Jesus came and I see the truth of God's word, the glory of my Savior, and one day I will see eternal glory in heaven with him. And every single one of us this morning can say, I was dead in my trespasses and sins, but then Jesus came and now I have a new creature. I have new life. I have been raised to walk in newness of life because when Jesus comes, things change. When Jesus comes, miracles take place. When Jesus comes, the blind are able to see The dead are brought to life. The lost are saved. And lives are changed. Our situations are changed. God begins to work when Jesus comes. For all is changed, that song says, when Jesus comes to stay. I'm glad for the day that Jesus came into my life. Since Jesus came into my life, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came. So many songs that we sing about that. Let me tell you this morning that you need Jesus to come to where you are in the moment that you are. Even if you have trusted him as your savior, there are those here this morning, you need to call out to him. He will hear you and he will call you to himself. And when we respond in faith, Jesus begins to do. Let's call on him. Jesus, don't let anything keep you away from Jesus. Don't let your burden, don't let the size of your problem, don't let your pride, don't let your goodness, your lack of goodness, don't let anything keep you from Jesus. He is calling to you. Call out to him. Come this morning.
We'll take the Word of God. Our pastors will be down here. We'll take the Word of God and show you what God says happens when we respond to His call. You can know Him as your personal Savior. Of all the things in this life that you are seeking and looking after that are not satisfying, only Jesus Christ can satisfy. Only Jesus can meet your deepest soul's needs. And then follow Him. Did you see what He did? He went and He followed Him in the way. There are some that believe that Bartimaeus was probably a known disciple years later when Mark was writing because he calls him by name. He is the son of Timaeus. You'll know him is what he's saying. Here's a man who began to follow Christ. He calls us not just to salvation. He calls us to discipleship. He calls us to follow him and then share him. Just for every person that's hindering someone from coming to Jesus, those that are saying hold your peace, there are those that will say, hey, get up and come, the Master is calling. Who do you know that's at Bartimaeus? Who do you know that needs to come to Christ? You can be one of the ones that help bring them to Christ. When Jesus comes, all is changed. When Jesus passes by, is He passing by you this morning? Has Jesus come? If He has not, I want you to know this morning, He is calling. The Master is calling for you to come. Will you bow with me for prayer, please? What is it that you need Jesus to do in your life this morning? Do you know Him as your Savior? Has there been a time when you have said to God, God, I realize I am a sinner and I cannot save myself. I'm sorry for my sins. But I believe that Jesus died for my sins, and that He arose again the third day. I trust Him and confess Him now as my Lord and Savior. There's never been a time when you've done those things, you've called out to God. I want you to know that you can do that right here, right now, this morning, as God is speaking to your heart. I believe there's someone here today that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. And God is speaking to you. He is calling you. That tug on your heart is not my voice. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the voice of God who is speaking to you saying, come to me. Bring him to me. Bring her to me. This morning, Christian, let me ask you, what do you need to call out? What is, what is Jesus calling you to? Is he calling you to comfort? You're grieving, you're hurting, you're in pain, emotionally, physically, and he's calling to you to find your comfort in him. Are you seeking your satisfaction in the things of this world? Is he calling for you to come and drink once again to find your satisfaction in him? Is he calling you from some sin? Is he calling you to service? Is he calling you to be at peace? Whatever he may be speaking to you about this morning, when we stand and have our invitation, I want to invite you to come and kneel at this altar, stand at this altar. Let Jesus pass by. Let Jesus pass by. Oh, what a difference when Jesus passes by. Father, speak to us this morning, we pray.